Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a transdenominational podcast. All are welcome and safe here, no matter what your faith is or isn't. Hello, my name is Reverend Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained licensed minister, director of the Oblates of Perpetual Light, intuitive healer, Kabbalist, and life coach. I firmly believe that the divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we will explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to encourage, educate, inspire, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? No, really, how are you all doing? I so hope and pray you all are well and blessed, and if not, able to see the blessings uh, through the tragedy and the suffering. And that's a, a big learning curve for us as humans, isn't it? And anyway, thank you all so very much for being here. If you're new to the show, Thank you for finding us. I don't know how you did, but I'm so happy you did. And I so hope and pray you find everything you're looking for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for always being a loyal supporter and listener of the show. It is because of you that this show is here. Show of hands. How many of you have heard of Father Peter Ruki, R-O-O-K-E-Y, also known as Father Peter Mary Ruki? Oh, I see a few. <laughs> well, you're better than me because up until recently, I had never heard of this amazing, truly amazing being. And this truly amazing being was alive, well, and with us up until 2000. 14. So he's only been um, gone from the physical for nine years. Well, it'd be nine years in September. So, and he is just such, I mean, off the charts, uh, such a miraculous healer. And he so reminds me of Father Solanus Casey on so many levels. And he is an American born, U.S. born. Um, Father, and we will learn about Father Peter Ruki today. So Peter Brian Ruki was born to Anthony and Johanna Ruki in Superior, Wisconsin, on October 12, 1916. He was given the baptismal name of Joseph. He was born one year to the day before the great miracle of Fatima. October 12th in the United States is October 13th in Fatima. Portugal because of the time difference. On that day, the archangel St. Michael appeared to the three shepherd children, Lucia, uh, Juanita, and Francisco, one year preceding the miracle. Peter's father, Anthony, was born in the province of Ontario, Canada in 1870. Anthony's father, Daniel, was also born in Ontario province, and his mother, Anora, Omelia was from Ireland. She was reportedly an herbalist who invented herbal remedies to cure diseases such as breast cancer. 
It seems that gifts of healing ran in Father Peter's lineage. The original family name was Ruthier, R-O-U-T-H-I-E-R, which is French. Anthony and his brothers Americanized it when moving to the U.S. in the 1890s. Father Peter's mother, Johanna, was born in Stillwater, Minnesota in 1879 to James McGarry from Limerick, Ireland, and Marianne Byron from St. Louis, Missouri. Father used to joke that he was three-quarters Irish and taking vitamins for the rest. As a side note, Father Peter's grandfather, Daniel, was first cousin to the famous Canadian Adolphe Basile Ruffier, who wrote the original words in French for O Canada, the Canadian national anthem. Adolphe also became the Chief Justice of Quebec. Peter's father owned a furniture moving company called Rookie Transfer. He could be seen all around town driving his horse-drawn wagon until six in the evening. His two large dray horses could carry quite a load. Two of the sons, Chet and Robert, uh, father of Timothy Rookie, later took over the business. Anthony and Johanna were blessed with 13 children, four daughters, and nine sons. Peter was the ninth child. We always say we're glad she didn't say eight was enough. Willow Rose, born in Willow River, Minnesota, was the oldest. Then following in order, Chester, Harold, Gordon, Mary, Robert, Genevieve, Catherine, Peter, Bernard, Dale, Earl, Thomas, and Richard. The daughters in the family played with the Casey girls, nieces of Father Solanus Casey. Wow. See, <laughs> that's awesome. I knew, I felt there was a connection there. Father Solanus Casey, who is now a saint of the Catholic Church. Well, no, he's blessed. He's not a saint yet. So two of the Casey girls later became nuns. One of the rookie daughters had an interesting story of a healing due to Father Peter's gift. When Genevieve Rookie and Joe Stack's son, Mark, was 16, he had a malignant brain tumor and was in a last-stage coma. Father Peter was called in to bless him and commented that he had seen corpses that looked better than that. Later on that evening, Mark came out of the coma and was completely cured. He went on to raise a family and live a long life healthy, successful life. This account has been written up in the book, The Living Christ by Harold Fickett. Johanna was a strong-willed woman. She managed to raise with discipline and love all 13 children and still have time to help her husband with the moving business and secretarial work. It was said that she made an average of 13 loaves of bread a week. Johanna was a beautiful, petite woman, and Anthony, very distinguished looking with black hair and a black mustache, the way it was worn in the early 1900s. In their wedding photo, Johanna's sister, Margaret O'Toole, was her bridesmaid. She became the mother of Christopher O'Toole, who was ordained a priest and later served as a general of the Holy Cross Order of the U.S. and Canada and over Notre Dame University from 1950 to 1962. Father Peter's love for his mother was tremendous, 
In later years, when she was struck with cancer, Father remembered coming home every year when he was in Belgium and blessing her. Each time she was on the verge of death and his blessing revived her for another year. Johanna finally succumbed to cancer on October 11th, 1953. Father Peter had just been assigned to Rome and heard of her death on the 30, his 37th birthday. October 12th, Father Peter was unable to attend his mother's funeral, which was conducted by his first cousin, Father O'Toole. When little Byron, as he was affectionately called, was nine years old, a defining moment in his life happened. On July 4th, after the fireworks display in town, he and his younger brother, Bun, which was short for, short for Bernard, excuse me, were walking down their neighborhood street near their home on Ogden Avenue, not far from downtown Superior. Being the curious and fun-loving boys that they were, when they found a firecracker that looked half-used, they picked it up. Byron took it in his hand, lit it with a match, and blew on it a little to get it going. It exploded in his face, severely injuring his eyes. He suddenly found himself unable to see. They went home at once and told their mother, who took him right away to the doctor, who lived down the block. How sad, Johanna, must have been when the doctor told her that her son was blind and would never see again. But the resilient, strong Irish woman knew when her faith was being put to the test. We'll see about that, she said, and took him home. From that night on, she resolved to gather the whole family together every night and pray the rosary, begging our all-merciful Father in heaven to grant little Peter a miraculous cure. Six months to a year passed with the family faithfully praying the rosary every night. Sometime during that period, Peter made a promise to God. He promised that if God would give him his sight back, he would become a priest and serve him wholeheartedly every day of his life. Well, I think you know the end of the story. Little Peter Byron did regain his sight completely within a year and a half of the accident. He entered Hillside Seminary in Chicago at the age of 13 in 1930. He was ordained a priest on the Feast of the Holy Founders of the Servite Order on May 17, 1941, at Our Lady of Sorrows Basilica on Jackson Boulevard near downtown Chicago. It was at this time that he chose to take the middle name of Mary. He also took the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. This humble man never kept anything for himself. On all his travels, anytime someone gave him a present, he would turn around and give it to someone else. He became famous for doing this. Whenever you were around Father Peter, you knew you'd be getting some special presents. <laughs> People, <laughs> you'd be getting some special presents. Yeah, how about his blessings and just being in his presence? I mean, to me, that would be just the, the greatest blessing and gift anyone could ever receive. And by the way, folks, as always, especially for those who are new and listening, don't know, everything I'm sharing here on his bio and, and everything will be, links will be in the show description uh, for you to check out in more detail on your own. Totally devoted to the Blessed Mother and always going to her son, Jesus Christ, Our Lady, 
Through her, he was seldom seen without a rosary in hands. He was in a state of constant prayer. With it be with the rosary of seven sorrows of Mary, the Dominican rosary, adoration of the blessed sacrament, or praying his daily breviary in Latin, oftentimes as it was observed while standing on his head to get the blood flowing, as he said, let us heed the promise of Our Lady during her appearances appear, yeah, in Cabillo, Rwanda, that praying the rosary of the seven sorrows will soften the hardest of hearts. This rosary is comprised of seven Hail Mary beads between seven Our Father beads, meditating on the mysteries of the prophecy of Simeon, the flight into Egypt, the loss of the child Jesus in the temple, Mary meets Jesus on the way to the cross. Mary stands at the foot of the cross. Jesus is taken down from the cross and laid in the arms of his blessed mother. And Mary accompanies Jesus to the tomb to await his glorious resurrection. There is a very moving, beautiful CD made by Donald and Carol Wickman from England called Canticle of Love, in which the Seven Sorrows Rosary is prayed by Father Peter interwoven with song and violin between each mystery. And just to let you all know, they do have a podcast with um, Father Peter praying all of these prayers. You can pray the rosary with him. He also had a miracle prayer that he created, which uh, we will be sharing here in a little bit in his story. And I will be playing in its entirety uh, as the closing prayer and blessing for this show. So stay tuned for that. But of course, I will have links to all of this in the show description. And I will see, I'm sure this uh, Canticle of Love is on YouTube. And I will put a link to that as well in the show notes for you all to check that out. So those of you who are Roman Catholic, just a quick show of hands. How many of you have heard of the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows, or how many of you pray the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows? Yeah, there's a few. I see a few. Um, very interesting. And yeah, it seems very, very powerful. I mean, of course, all of the rosaries and all of the prayers are very powerful, but very interesting and intriguing. And, you know, of course, you can go to the podcast, uh, not my podcast, but to uh, the podcast set up for Father Peter and actually pray that seven sorrows rosary with him. Or you can listen to the Canticle of Love and pray it through that, which I will definitely find a link to, as I just said, and make sure that is in the show description. It is also interesting to note that Father Peter had a degree in Gregorian chant and could sing and play the organ and piano quite well. He often would play the piano and sing after healing masses to the great delight of all around. He especially loved playing the Ave Maria, battle hymn of the Republic, when Irish eyes are smiling, and oh, Danny boy. Up until his late 80s, he would climb steps two by two up to the choir loft at Our Lady of Sorrows and play the organ by ear. At that advanced age, he would walk the streets of Chicago for hours, praying the rosary on the way. He had good hearing until his later years when he needed a hearing aid. His other hobbies include tennis, reading religious books, and doing 200 push-ups and sit-ups each day. 
He also spoke four languages fluently, English, Latin, Italian, and German. Several other languages he spoke partially. His life took another turn when in 1948 he was asked by his Servite provincial, Father James Mary Keene, who wrote a beautiful meditation on Via Matris, or Matrice to travel with him and five others to Benburb County, Tyrone, in Northern Ireland, to establish the Servite order there. They were bequeathed the ancient Benurb, excuse me, Benburb Castle at its surrounding buildings and its surrounding buildings in which they founded the new Servite Monastery. Wow, they actually were given a castle in Ireland and the surrounding buildings to turn into a monastery. Father Peter lived there for five years. It was here that his healing gift was discovered. People began coming up to him after Mass, asking him to bless them for various ailments, one who had gout in his feet, another for a painful knee, and so on. Well, the following Sunday, they came back and said, Father, when you blessed me, I was healed. Word spread. Soon there were so many people coming, they had to hold the services outdoors. Everyone wanted a glimpse of this healing priest. Like Jesus Christ, they wanted to touch his garment that they might be healed. It must be noted that Father Peter never, ever gave any credit of the healings to himself. He always gave all the credit to Jesus Christ, all for the glory of God. He knew who did the healing. He was only the instrument. And if anyone ever did not want a blessing, he never forced it on anyone. He'd humbly joke about being just a rookie priest and like to say, donkeys bray, I just pray. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't gotten it yet, he, he had a, a different type of uh, sense of humor. People said it was, it was really corny, the jokes he used to do. But what an amazing being. Again, just like Father Solanus Casey, every time somebody would thank Father Solanus Casey for the healing, he would always say, it wasn't me, it was God, it was Jesus, it wasn't me. Father Peter had a heart for people. He took time for people. He never turned anyone away. He listened, gave advice, and many times a word of knowledge or prophecy was given to help a person. He spent hours blessing people, hearing confessions, and he did it with great love and grace. He always had a joke up his sleeve. People would often double over with laughter at his surprising, originally witty and wise jokes. He was never boring to be around. There was always a story he could tell. Supernatural gifts, such as the scent of roses, would often occur during the healing masses. Father Peter quite often saw the face of Christ in the sacred host during the consecration and the face of the Blessed Mother, too, on occasion. Sometimes others saw Jesus in the host as well. People smelled the scent of roses coming from Father's robe, and he, as he walked by, there were many reports of bilocation as well, including 42 people who called his office one day, claiming to have blessed, been blessed by him as he walked through the crowds at Our Lady of Knock Shrine in Ireland the previous day, even though he was at his office in Illinois at the time. The central focus of Father Peter's healing ministry was forgiveness. He always stressed Hate and be sick, love and be well, 
at peace. He said unforgiveness was a form of hatred and that this could block the healing the person should receive. He believed that in order to be healed, one must forgive and forgive completely from the heart as Jesus our Lord commanded us to do. If we don't forgive others, our Heavenly Father can't forgive us our sins. When one holds unforgiveness in their hearts, healing cannot take place. The famous miracle prayer that he composed expresses the key need of forgiveness. When one prays the miracle prayer sincerely, meaning every word, something good will happen. You will experience Jesus and he will change your life. Here is the miracle prayer. So I'm going to read the miracle prayer. But again, as I said, stay tuned because at the end of the show, um, after our prayer requests and updates, I'm going to play um, Father Peter himself at the young age of 85 um, reciting this prayer. And it is way, 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 way more powerful than you just hearing it from me. But here is the miracle prayer that he composed. Lord Jesus, I come before you just as I am. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me in your name. I forgive all others for what they have done against me. I renounce Satan, the evil spirits, and all their works. I give you my entire self, Lord Jesus, now and forever. I invite you into my life, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord, my God, and my Savior. Please heal me. Change me, strengthen me in body, soul, and spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, cover me with your precious blood and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord Jesus. I praise you, you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I shall follow you every day of my life. Mary, my mother, Queen of Peace, Saint Peregrine, the Cancer Saint, all you angels and saints, please come to my aid. Amen. Amen. Perhaps Father Peter's longevity and good health attest to his practice of complete forgiveness. He lived to be almost 98 years old, drove a car into his 90s, and still walked sometimes two hours a night until age 88. He fasted daily. He believed that fasting opened him up to the flow of the Holy Spirit, which worked so powerfully through him during the healing services. He also performed several exorcisms and believed fasting was important in deliverance. Father Peter would have only a wee bit of coffee in the morning in order to get the grouch off, he said. And then for the rest of the day, would hardly eat anything except maybe half a piece of crusty bread. He would eat a full dinner at night and liked his ice cream for dessert, which was often late following his healing services. So many ladies loved cooking for him in their homes after healing masses, or he would enjoy going out to a restaurant with friends, oftentimes 10 or 12 people joining him at a long table. These dinners were the most enjoyable of occasions and sometimes lasted two or three hours. You see, when Father was there, Jesus was always present too. When blessing people with his crucifix that contained relics of the various Servite saints and others, he would make the sign of the cross in which we conquer on their foreheads and bless St. Peregrine, 
known as the cancer saint oil. A priest would follow close behind carrying the blessed sacrament. Often father would have a word of knowledge for a person. Usually the person would fall backwards trustingly, though as the catchers would gently lay them down on the floor. Then the individual would rest in the spirit for a while until the healing would be completed. Countless healings occurred through Father's touch, all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Healings that took place, including healings of cancer, AIDS, alcoholism, drug addiction, blindness, and deafness. The mute and the lame were healed along with those who suffered from emotional or spiritual troubles and women unable to conceive and bear children. Anything you can imagine, sometimes they were instantaneous. Sometimes they were gradual. If a person was not healed, Father Peter explained that this was because God had other plans for them to show his glory through their sickness. Perhaps, he said, a person would not be healed because only God knew that this might make the person proud and might cause them to fall away from him if they were healed, that they would be closer to God because of their affliction. And that is something, brothers and sisters, we all too often don't understand as, as humans, as especially those of you out there listening that suffer from multiple, multiple illnesses and, and pains and, and things of that nature and diseases, is that, you know, you, you have to wonder, you know, why haven't I been cured? I pray every day. I have other people praying for me. The Faith and More podcast people pray for me every week. Why am I not being healed? You know, there's so much that we don't know, and there's so much that we can't know with, you know, our human minds. And we've covered this in so, so many shows, including just, you know, the show a few weeks ago about the red apple not being truly red. <laughs> if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to that one, folks. That was a, a great episode just two episodes ago. But you know, it's very difficult when we're suffering to put it into context of this is something that, you know, I must endure, that there is a reason for it. And, you know, it, but there is, there, there are reasons for it. And there's so much we can do as we are suffering and as we um, strive and pray for healing. There's so much we can do to help others, you know, because we suffer it puts us in a situation where it gives us um, experience and knowledge of what we are experiencing, others are experiencing too. So say you have an illness or an ailment, and you know firsthand because you've lived with it for how many years, what it is, how it affects you, the pain levels, uh, you know what you've done to try to alleviate that pain that's worked, what you've done that hasn't worked, medications that you've taken that have helped, medications you've taken that have not. And this is all information that we can share with other people to help other people that are going through um, similar, if not the same situations we are. And all too often, it's difficult for us to see that, to see past our own suffering, because we can easily get caught up in that suffering. And, you know, not necessarily the woe is me, but yet the woe is me, you know, that, it, you know, poor me, you know, I'm suffering, I'm hurting, I don't feel like helping anybody, I don't feel what can I possibly do for anybody, I can't possibly do anything because, 
you know, I'm, I'm an invalid. I can't do anything. No, no, quite off. You can do so much for people. You know, we have technology of the internet, you know, and a lot of people I'm thinking of right now who suffer so severely with so many ailments are on social media all the time. And you can use that power to reach out to others and to help them. And so, you know, I don't want you all to lose faith or to say, well, you know, God doesn't love me or the universe doesn't love me because I'm suffering. You know, there's always reasons for our suffering and suffering can really bring about spiritual growth in evolution um, and revelation. It really, really can. And this show has given many, many examples and always will with all the saints that we've covered with their suffering and what they've gone through and how they've turned that into fuel, uh, rocket fuel, really, for their faith. After his five years of service in Ireland in 1953, he was elected assistant general of the Servite Order in Rome and lived there until 1959. It was during this time in Rome that Father Peter wrote the book on St. Anthony Pucci, P-U-C-C-I, called Shepherd of Souls. He spent time in Vareggio, Italy, where Maria Valtorta, the Catholic mystic, also a Servite, who wrote the poem of the man God and lived. Father Peter cherished fondness for the poem of the man God, read it devoutly throughout his life, and often referred to it in his homilies. This is where he did much of his research on St. Anthony, who was also from Vareggio. St. Anthony was the patron saint of the Second Vatican Council. While living in Rome, he also liked to take an early 4 a.m. train to San Giovanni Rotondo to attend masses celebrated by anyone? St. Padre Pio. He sometimes cleaned up the altar after Mass. He also went to confession with St. Padre Pio a couple of times and got advice from him on how to become a better priest. He often recalled one time in particular when Padre Pio pointed at him sternly and in a gruff voice counseled him, Remember, Father, obedience, always obedience. This was something that proved to be very important to Father Peter's priesthood. Wow. So he not only attended masses with St. Padre Pio, he also went to confession with St. Padre Pio and got advice one-on-one -on -one from St. Padre Pio. Wow. I mean, it's amazing just to be in those times and around those beings and no doubt we have those beings around us now. We just don't know about them. You know, that's why this show is here <laughs> to try to sniff out these people uh, before they become history. You know, let's find them now. Which reminds me, if you all know of anyone like this, it's living in your area. You, We have listeners literally from all over the world. My contact information is at the end of the show, at the end of every show. Please reach out to me and share these people so we can do shows on them. In 1959, he was transferred to the University of Louvain in Belgium, where he headed the Servite Catholic College there until 1962. This is the university where Venerable Fulton Sheen graduated from. 
Then from 1962 through 1967, he served as a parish priest at Maria Hemorfot Church, Mary of Assumption in Dusseldorf, Germany. After that, he was assigned to the Servites Ozark Mission Churches in Ironton, Missouri from 1967 to 1984. From 1984 until 2002, he resided in Chicago, where he was allowed to continue his healing ministry. He conducted healing masses every first Saturday at Our Lady of Sorrows Basilica in Chicago. About a thousand people would attend these, filling the church to capacity. These were extremely joyous, spirit-filled occasions with beautiful sing singing, praying the rosary, sometimes led in different languages, confessions, and a healing service with a laying on of hands after the Mass. There was a social gathering downstairs after the Mass. People came from near and far for these first Saturday healing services. After that, every first Saturday, he would be driven to Midway Airport in Chicago by his friend Jean Trilla, or Jean Trilla, J-E-A-N, we'll just say Jean, Jean Trilla, where he'd get on the plane to St. Louis area to conduct another healing mass that evening. In addition to the healing services, Father Peter started the International Compassion Ministry located in Chicago suburb of Olympia Fields. Several volunteers and one paid secretary offered their time and talent to spread the ministry through answering phone calls with prayer requests from all over the world and offering up daily masses in the chapel, rosaries, divine mercy chaplets, adoration of the blessed sacrament for all the various intentions. A monthly newsletter was published and as many as 40,000 were sent out all over the world. These newsletters were full of testimonies of healings that people had written and sent into the office. A few of these can be read on this website, The Phenomena of the Miracle of the Sun, as seen in Medjugorje, was often seen from the window of the chapel during the three, three o'clock hour praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Now, those of you who aren't familiar, the Divine Mercy Chaplet is prayed between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. daily. And I know several of you out there who listen to the show are very devout Divine Mercy Chaplet prayers. Uh, thanks to our St. Faustina episodes back a few seasons ago, we had three episodes on St. Faustina. Check those out if you haven't already. And there's a bunch of information there about the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Sometimes the sun pulsated, danced, or changed colors. As many people testify, it was a joyful occasion to visit the office of the International Compassion Ministry to attend Mass there in the chapel with Father Peter and the volunteers. Dozens of different priests from around the world came to celebrate Mass in the chapel. We witnessed him conversing on the phone with people, patiently listening to their problems and offering his blessing. Many healings occurred directly over the phone. It is a fond memory to think of him sitting there at his desk, his eyes twinkling, full of strong faith, faith that could move mountains. One interesting note is that he told us he decided to grow his beard beginning in 1995, not because he wanted to, but because the Lord had put it upon his heart to grow a beard like the Jewish people used to do when in mourning. He was to wear the beard out of mourning 
for the unborn children cruelly sacrificed to abortion, the great scourge of our time. And he promised to wear this beard until abortion is aborted. He shouted this from the pulpit at his first Saturday healing mass at Our Lady of Sorrows Basilica. Father Peter traveled throughout the United States and the world to offer his healing masses. He always had a full schedule. It was not for the faint-hearted. He was beloved in Ireland, England, Scotland, Poland, Mexico, South Africa, Kenya, Australia, Tasmania, the Philippines, America, Samoa, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and even Lapland, where he celebrated one of the only masses that had ever been said there in over 400 years. He made close to 30 pilgrimages to Medjugorje and many trips to the Holy Land. Tens of thousands of people attended the healing masses in Poland when he went there in December of 2004, the very last healing masses he ever held. In the Catholic shrine of Medjugorje, two important mir miraculous healings took place, that of David Parkas and Heather Duncan. David Parkas, the well-known singer from Ireland, was cured of Crohn's disease in 1990. He had been close to death. His once robust frame as a professional footballer, as a soccer player is called in Ireland, he was down to less than 100 pounds and was languishing. He also had lost his faith. His wife, Anne, begged him to go to Medjugorje. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right, folks. It's M-E-D-J-U-G-O-R-J-E <laughs> on a pilgrimage. She managed to cajole him, too, by promising a side trip to the great walled city of Dubrovnik, where they had spent their honeymoon years before. Well, good thing for him that he went. While in Medjugorje, Father Peter gave a healing service in the cemetery. He often held them, strangely enough, in the dead center of town. As he put it, David reluctantly agreed to be blessed by the Holy Friar. He rested in spirit for 20 minutes. When he woke up, he was entirely healed. Today he sings only for God and leads many pilgrimages to Medjugorje every year. David also shares his testimony of healing all around the globe. He sang the Schubert Ave Maria at St. Father, at, excuse me, at Father Peter's funeral. Heather Duncan was also a recipient of a miracle. She was a nurse living in Aberdeen, Scotland. One day she was lifting a patient that was too heavy and the patient accidentally fell on her. Her spine was completely crushed and she could no longer walk. She had to wear a steel harness on her torso. Months turned into years, and most of her time was spent in bed because she had so much pain. She had several operations and no improvement. She came to believe that she was not supposed to be healed. She felt that the Lord had given her an apostolate of suffering and that she was thankful she could suffer for the salvation of souls. Finally, she was taken to Medjugorje in 1990 by a friend. She was blessed by Father Peter, Mary Ruki. In the cemetery, he said to her, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? She answered, yes, I do believe that Jesus can heal me, but I don't think he wants to. She grasped his crucifix with the relics in it, praying deeply in her heart. Then he said, silver or gold, 
I have not to give you, but in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. So she did. That smiling girl went home, mystifying the doctors, and lived a long, happy life. She never had any more back pain. The second miracle was later x-rays showed she should not have been able to walk because her spine was still badly out of place. Both Heather Duncan's and David Parkus' miracles have been documented. Many other such stories can be read in the newspaper articles and viewed in the videos on our website. Father Peter gave many television interviews on talk shows in Ireland and the U.S. There were many radio broadcasts that featured him, and he was interviewed extensively by Margaret Trosclair, who headed Mary's Helpers, based in New Orleans. The documentary video, The Healing Priest, was made by Mary's Helpers right around the year 1989. Also, a video was made of his trip to the Holy Land in 2010 with Chuck Neff from Relevant Radio and singer and songwriter Annie Carto featuring her song, Pilgrimage of Love. He met many remarkable people, including St. Padre Pio, Maria Esperanza, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Stigmatis and mystic Therese Newman, Carmelite sister Celine Martin, St. Therese of Lisieux's last living sister, Pope Pius XII, St. Pope John Paul II, to name just a few. He celebrated Mass with the Archbishop of Nairobi, Kenya, for Mother Teresa, her sisters, and novices of Nairobi, Kenya in 1995. He was close friends for decades with entertainer Bob Hope and his wife Dolores Hope. He celebrated Holy Mass for Dolores in her home in Toluca Lake, California, for her 100th birthday in 2009, along with two cardinals. Bob Hope used to kid that he got the best jokes from Father Peter. Quite interesting, Bob, a lifelong Protestant, became a Catholic in the last couple years of his life. His wife Dolores was a lifelong Catholic who went to Mass daily. In 1956, Dolores invited Father Peter to travel through Europe, visiting Catholic shrines with her children and actor John Wayne's daughter. John Wayne also became a Catholic, received into the church on his deathbed. Father Peter made a side trip with Mrs. Hope to visit Padre Pio during that eventful 1956 pilgrimage. They met up with Bob Hope in Rome and had a personal audience Pope Pius XII. In October 1977, Bing Crosby and Mrs. Hope's mother died on consecutive days. The Hopes asked Father Peter to accompany them to both funerals, which he did. At Bing Crosby's wake, he sat next to Bob Hope and told him jokes to cheer him up. Several books have been written on the life of Father Peter Mary Rookie, Man of Miracles by Heather Parsons, Healer of Souls by Kathy Kwasi. Do You Believe That Jesus Can Heal You by Margaret Trosclair. And Labor of Harvest in the Lord's Vineyard in Polish and English by Barbara Wojciechowski. The healing ministry of Father Peter is prominently mentioned in many other books. On September, excuse me, September 10th, 2014, Father Peter passed away unexpectedly yet peacefully in his sleep with the rosary on his chest after eating a hearty meal in good spirits with his brother Servite priests.
It was no coincidence that his funeral was celebrated on the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, September 15th. He had been devoted to Our Sorrowful Mother his entire life. His wake at the Basilica lasted three days, with thousands of people attending it. Father Peter always told us, the more you think about others, the bigger you are, and the more you think about yourself, the smaller you are. Oh, dear Father Peter, how we miss you, your kind smile, your laughter, the way you loved us. We praise the Lord now and forever that you were such a great blessing to all of us. And that bio, folks, was written by Anne Elizabeth Rookie, who was Father Peter's niece, and edited by Timothy Peter Rookie, Father Peter's nephew. And yes, definitely, I'll have a link, as I said a few times, to this article. Um, and that's the great thing about Father Rookie being this close to us. I mean, only, you know, physically gone for nine years is there's audio and video of him a lot, especially on YouTube. If you just Google Father Peter Rookie, you come up with all kinds of videos of him. And it's, it's just amazing not to just, you know, know his story, but to have that, you know, that physical representation on film or in audio that you can actually hear his voice, which we're going to be hearing here in just a few moments um, at the close of the show with our blessing. And that's going to be our final prayer and blessing for the show. But again, just a remarkable being. And I mean, how, again, as so many of you always say to me, and I say it myself, how come we don't know about these people? What in the world? You know, these amazing, remarkable beings. And, and he just passed nine years ago from the physical plane. Why don't we know about it? I don't know. Some of you do, but a lot of us don't. And that is a tragedy. So if you really, if, You've really enjoyed And I always say this at the end of the show, but I don't think a lot of people listen to the end of the show credits. But if you really like this show or any of the shows, please, please, please. And this isn't for selfish reasons at all. This is very anti-self. This is very selfless. Share these shows with as many people as you can possibly think would enjoy them and benefit from them. Why? To get the show out there? No to get these people out there so people know about them. It's just so, it's, I don't know, I'm talking circles already, and that's, that's why I was good to just to, to, be, to be a good boy and just read the bio instead of chiming in all the time like I usually do. Now I'm making up for it, right? But no, honestly, it's the best way for us to help others is to share these beings with as many people as we can. That way it inspires their faith. It inspires those who are suffering, and everybody's suffering so much right now. Okay, I've got one more thing to share with uh, Father Peter, about Father Peter. It's actually an article from the Chicago Tribune from October 16, 1994. It's called The Healing Touch by Donna Chavez. And I thought this would be good because this is actually a news article from an uh, third person, not involved, unbiased, uh, giving you their, you know, vibes and feelings um, from a reporter's stance of attending one of um, Father Peter's healing masses. And the article says, a recent dog day afternoon wanes in the sultry Indiana summer. 
evening, about 60 people crowd a tiny meeting room in Brighton Park neighborhood in Chicago's southwest side. They pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A diminutive nun clutching a microphone leads the people through the rosary while each person needs worn beads between thumb and forefinger. The group prays aloud, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. By the conclusion of the last prayer on the last rosary bead, the air is charged with anticipation. All is ready. The group awaits the appearance of Reverend Peter Mary Ruki, known to his followers as the healing priest. By the time he arrives, the expectation of miracles is palpable. Two in attendance, 12-year-old Sam Hamilton and his mother, Peggy, know that feeling well. If Excuse me. It was a scant five years ago that Peggy took Sam to another of Ruki's healing services where she says her son was cured of epilepsy. Sam was eager to go into the service, she says, and once there kept returning to the line of the hopeful to receive blessings from Ruki again and again, waiting for the sign that he was cured. The overt sign most people receive, she says, is fainting or resting in the Holy Spirit. As it is called, Sam achieved his goal after his fourth trip through the line. Speaking from the cluttered office of the International Compassion Ministry in Olympia Fields earlier that day, Ruki talks about his unique healing ministry, how it began, and how he came to the priesthood. And this is Father Peter talking. I suppose the seed was planted when I was about seven or eight, says Ruki, who lives at the Servite Priory in Berwyn at the ministry's office surrounded by stacks of telephone books, bags of rosaries, a U.S. mail collection box, and a full mail bag, he recounts an incident from his youth. Rookie and one of his eight brothers had been roaming the streets of Superior, Wisconsin. I'm a superior man, Rookie is fond of joking, looking for failed fireworks on July 4th in the early 1920s. We were lucky to find a pretty good-sized firecracker that hadn't exploded yet, Rookie says. The pair tried to light the short fuse while young Peter held it close, blowing on the firecracker to fan the flame. I was blinded when the firecracker went off that far from my eyes, Rookie says, holding his hands eight inches from his face. After testing the boy's sight upon final removal of his bandages, the family doctor announced that Peter would likely never see again. Medical science could do nothing to restore his vision. Rookie's mother, Johanna McGarry Rookie, refused to accept the doctor's grim prognosis. She led the family in prayer every evening, saying it, if we prayed for a miracle, the Lord would provide one, Rookie says. Each evening, Johanna, husband Anthony, Daniel Rookie, and their 13 children gathered in the family's living room in fervent prayer. Within a year, Rookie recalls, his sight was restored. It truly was the first miracle I'd ever witnessed. It was then I decided I wanted to become a priest, he says. Entered the Servite, the Order of Servants of Mary, hence the middle name he took on his ordination. Seminary on Chicago's West Side as a teenager in 1930. I say, use doctors and medicine when you are sick, but you also must pray, because God gives the same wisdom to doctors that he gives to priests, Rookie says. The statement signals the beginning of one of many homilies he will deliver during this interview. Rookie doesn't give an interview so much as he gives audience. His mind is brimming with lessons drawn from 78 years of experience, a lifetime full of the pain of others, 
and the miracle of healing. Each interview question brings a response, a homily, and a liberal smattering of biblical quotes. Humor, in the form of corny jokes and puns, also peppers Rookie's conversations, both private and public. The jokes are often self-deprecating. He tells one, his eyes flash, and he laughs a lot. It may be one of the things that keeps this priest working full-time when many contemporaries are retirement homes residents. That and the energy of the crowd. This evening as Rookie enters the meeting room in bakery, in a bakery on South Archer, he dons a lapel microphone and takes an increased verve while speaking to the crowd amid the worshipers and countless posters of, or excuse me, posters of Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ, Pope John Paul II, and Catholic television personality, Mother Angelica. The priest seems to shed 15 years. Suddenly he speaks and moves like a man in his early 60s, from his steel wool colored hair to his black Reebok cross trainers. Rookie springs to life and is in command of the gathered faithful. He asks everyone to rise and sing religious songs of their choosing. Titles are shouted and Rookie leads the music. Despite oppressive heat in the room, the priest is enlivened and the group's excitement level heightens. It is an unlikely locale. One would expect the back room of a bakery to hold work tables, ovens, and industrial-sized containers of sugar and flour. Instead, the 16-by-25-foot back room of the new deluxe bakery is replete with near-life-size statue of the Virgin Mary in a shrine under the arbor of silk flowers and twinkling Christmas lights. In addition to the posters that paper the walls, there are smaller statuettes of crucifixes. Rows of folding chairs face the shrine and a TV table that holds a statue of Christ. Assembled around the base of the statue are pictures of loved ones who are in the prayers of many in attendance at the healing service. The songs done, Ruki directs everyone to be seated and invites these, those present to give testimony to healing experiences. Over the drone of ceiling fans, one after another speaks either of particularly moving religious experience or actual healings. One woman clutches her rosary in a letter to Ruki as she describes her daughter's cure at the priest's hand of crippling injuries from a fall through a window. Ruki notes that many of those in attendance have traveled some distance. Several are from suburbs, including a couple who had taken multiple modes of public transportation. Some were from out of state, Ohio, New York, and Kentucky, he says. That is not unusual. The Hamiltons, though originally from Orland Park, now travel from the Crown Point, Indiana home to attend these services despite Sam's recovery, Peggy says. Traveling also constitutes a large percentage of Rookie's healing ministry. He's on the road approximately 70 to 80% of the time, says friend and right-hand man Jim Harico who describes himself as a survey brother in training. Indeed, International Compassionate Ministry calendars reveal frequent trips to such places as the Holy Land, Africa, Bosnia, uh, Herzegovina, and Ireland, as well as visits to the U.S. locations from Oregon to Rhode Island. Rookie travels, Ricco says, with the blessing of his superiors that premature is only a recent development since Rookie claims to have begun healing people as a young priest as far back as 1948. 
At that time, he traveled with an associate to establish the Servite Order in Ireland. Once there, Ruki began the common Catholic practice of blessing people after Mass. He touched their heads with crucifixes or small jewel cases containing relics of the saints. Before long, he says, people began returning and bringing family or groups of friends. It was very humbling, Ruki says. It appeared that many had experienced cures for life-threatening illnesses or injuries unbeknownst to the young cleric. The priest's popularity did not escape his superior's attention. In recent history, the Catholic Church, and thus the Servite Order, took a very conservative position when it came to miracles such as healing. Derek Cho explains, by 1953, Ruki was assigned to duty as Assistant General of Servite Order in Rome, putting his healing ministry on hold for more than three decades as he performed numerous non-pastoral assignments. Wah, wah. There we go. <laughs> Again, I'm not picking on the Roman Catholics because many do this, but why in the world? They did this with Father Solanus Casey as well. Why in the world if this man is healing people, bringing more people to your church, to your faith, why in the world would you silence him and ship him somewhere where he can't heal people? He can't do what they call the Lord's work. Three decades, 30 years, that's 30 years people could have been healed by him. Isn't that just Okay, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to say any more about that. When asked how he felt about that, Ruki's discreet response is, I became a priest to be an obedient server of God's will. I trust my superiors to make wise decisions about the use of my gifts. Now, doesn't that bring back to the, uh, your mind back to the article, the bio I had just read, where he met St. Padre Pio? And what did St. Padre Pio tell him? Obedience, 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 and stick to that. And that's why, because Father, <laughs> I mean, excuse me, St. Padre Pio knew exactly what was going to happen and knew this was going to happen, because it happened to him as well. He was stifled and stopped on healing and, and even conducting masses for a long time. In the late 60s in Pennsylvania, however, a movement was born within the Roman Catholic Church in which gifts such as healing Speaking in tongues and prophecy are more common. Originally called Catholic Pentecostalism, it is now called the Charismatic Movement. In the Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago, there are an estimated 5,000 active Charismatics, according to Reverend Paul Barak of Chicago Ridge. Barak is Joseph Cardinal Bernadine's liaison to the Charismatic Movement of Movement Barak says that now is endorsed and supported by the Pope. Ruki's healing ministry, too, is endorsed by the church's hierarchy, but most important to him is the support of his religious order. A letter of support from his previous provincial or provincial says, in part, as Ruki's major superior and personal ordinary, I certify that he is a priest in good standing with faculties to preach and hear confessions, which may be exercised in accord with the norm of law. Father Ruki's ministry of preaching, healing, and compassion has brought solace to many and contributes to the spiritual building of the church. He has my permission to pursue this ministry without prejudice to the rights of the local ordinary. See, 
Look, there's one that got it. <laughs> Finally, what, after 30 years of silence, uh, not being able to heal people. Oh, my Lord. Speaking of Ruki, the current provincial, Reverend Michael Gilman says, we're very supportive of the ministry in terms of the compassion he offers people who are in pain. Father Ruki offers a hope that healing is possible. We need a lot of compassion to people in today's world. Amen. The International Compassionate Ministry, Hiroko says, is completely self-supporting. It has but one paid full-time employee who answers the phones and takes messages for Father Ruki. Hiroko describes himself as a full-time volunteer, a young retired Northern Illinois gas company office manager. The Homewood resident oversees the ministry's operations. The International Compassionate Ministry is a nine-year-old nonprofit agency that was formed in response to numerous requests from every corner of the globe for dates and times of Ruki's healing services. Rick Cho says, an associate began printing and distributing a calendar of the priest activities. Rick Cho joined the effort about five years ago, he says. The minister receives donations, and Father Ruki's expenses are generally paid by collections at healing masses and services. Recto explains, expenses are covered by the host organization when Rookie travels out of state, he adds. There is never a charge for a blessing, nor does Rookie solicit money. Herekcho, one of an estimated 100 international compassionate ministry volunteers, reckons donations at a healing service total anywhere from $100 to $1,000, depending on the size of the venue. Other expenses of the ministry, he says, include printing and mailing a monthly newsletter to more than 10,000 people and written responses to more than 300 personal letters and prayer requests per week. I calculate how much money is needed to operate the ministry every month at the end of each month. If there is more than that in the bank account, it gets donated to the Servite order, says Erecto, adding, I really can't say when asked how much it takes to operate the ministry. At the new deluxe bakery, a basket is passed before Rookie's arrival. For those present, nearly everyone drops something into the basket. Donations range from $2, $10 per person. After the personal testimonies, Rookie leads the group in more prayer. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. The moment of truth has arrived. Everyone rises and begins folding the chairs, stacking them against the bakery east wall. The faithful, presumably some suffering illnesses, although none is apparent cue for the priest's blessings. About one in four appear to faint at Ruki's gentle touch to their forehead. Eyes closed, men and women alike, literally drop into the waiting arms of the youngest and strongest men in the group. The catchers carefully lay each person on the floor, where some still stay for as long as 20 minutes. Key to the charismatic movement, Barak says, is what is called baptism in the Holy Spirit. Even though Ruki doesn't identify himself as a charismatic, he does use his gift as a in a charismatic way. That is, when he lays hands on people at healing services, he describes their reaction as resting in the Holy Spirit. A person who is said to be resting in the Holy Spirit looks like he or she has fainted. And Barak says it is commonly believed that the Holy Spirit actually enters the person's body during that time. Healing of serious, sometimes terminal illnesses is often said to be the result. 
Dr. Walter Thompson, a surgeon at Hinsdale Hospital, does not doubt the curative power of such healing services. I believe there is healing by divine means. I certainly pray to God about my patients, and I've seen him work miracles, he says. Truly, those at the bakery's healing service give powerful witness to the unassailable human spirit that often accompanies great faith, who could refute their accounts of dramatic cures to all number of ailments. Thompson allows that it is hard to document cures that result from divine intervention because the evidence is anecdotal. Nevertheless, he says, there is a terrific power and positive thinking. I've seen tremendous changes in human body when a person's thinking is positive. People in Alcoholics Anonymous often report those kind of healing responses. Virginia Rose, 49, of Riverside, Rhode Island, speaks of a similar experience when she attended one of Ruki's healing services at the Medjugorje Shrine in Bosnia-Herzegovina in 1991. During a telephone interview from her home, Rose recounted the visit. I had been in a wheelchair since 1988, crippled with multiple sclerosis, when I decided to visit Medjugorje. I can't pronounce that name for nothing, Rose says. It took some doing to get a wheelchair-bound traveler to the shrine, but she made it with help from her sister-in-law. I had never been to a healing service, so I didn't know how to act or what to do, Rose says. So when Father Ruki came up to me and handed me a crucifix, he asked me if I'd like to walk again. I said yes. Rose stood at the side of her wheelchair, she says. She began walking, not painfully, not all bent and twisted from her disease, but straight and comfortably. I felt such a peace. I cried uncontrollably, she says. Rose has not used her wheelchair since. In fact, she volunteers at the nursing center that once provided her with care. Though her doctor still says Rose has MS, he cannot, he cannot she says, explain her ability to walk. Rookie shows a copy of the Rhode Island newspaper account of Rose's Miracle. He keeps many such local newspaper accounts and miracles associated with his intervention. As the service concludes, conclude, excuse me, those left standing among the recumbent bodies of their peers join Rookie in a rendition of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Rose Flora, bakery owner and <laughs> prayer service hostess since 1978, breaks out a tray of sweets, breads, and sandwiches for the social portion of the evening. Rookie regales the crowd with more of his really corny jokes. Laughter is also powerful medicine. That's just, and that's the end of the article, folks. It's just absolutely beautiful. So thank you all for not minding me reading that article. I thought it would be good to try to get an outsider's insight on, you know, what one of those prayer services uh, was like. Um, and it was good because they gave us some more background information that we didn't have from the bio. And, you know, it's just more, more amazing stuff on Father Peter. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I can't get enough of him. He's just amazing. And, yes, there is um, there are people that are trying to get him uh, canonized. Uh, there's actually a petition on a website uh that I will have a link to that this bio came from in the show description that you can go on to if you want to sign a petition for him to be for the process of him, his canonization to start. Why there is a delay, why there's a need for a petition, I don't know the same as I don't know why Father 
blessed father Solanus Casey is just a blessed right now and not a saint. So again, you know, political wheels and any religious movement, uh, you know, or their church is always very slow to turn. So I hope and pray you all have enjoyed the show on uh, Father Peter. And, you know, I'll definitely keep you all updated in the cafes uh, each month when more information comes down the pike on his canonization process. But definitely check out the website on him and definitely check out his videos and stuff on YouTube. I'll have uh, some links in the show notes, but it's really easy to put his name in there in a general search and it will come up right away for you. So we're going to have our uh, prayer requests and updates, and then we will have our closing prayer and blessing, which is going to be um, Father Peter himself giving the miracle prayer. In today's internet world, there are so many choices and so many things on the internet that uh, lure you into extending or working on or enhancing your faith, and most of them charge you for it. How about an absolutely free way and a free group that will love you unconditionally, no matter what your faith is or isn't, what your beliefs are or aren't? And again, did I mention free, absolutely free? Well, look no further. Check out the Oblates of Perpetual Light. I happen to be, just happen <laughs> to be the director of the Oblates of Perpetual Light. And I would love to have you check us out and become a member. Again, it's absolutely free of charge. Check us out at oblatespl.wixsite.com slash oblates-pl or you can email me directly at oblates.pl at gmail.com There'll be links in the show description to get to those web addresses. So you say, what are the Oblates of Perpetual Light? Well, it's the first of its kind. We are a very first group of Oblates to fully utilize the internet to organize and communicate. This allows everyone and anyone to join from all over the world. The Oblates of Perpetual Light are inclusive, meaning everyone is welcome, regardless of beliefs, faith, identification, gender, sexual preference, etc. We are independent, meaning that we are not affiliated with any church other than being connected to the faith and more ministries. And we are trans-denominational. We are not affiliated with any one religion. Although our structure is very benedictine, our oblate director, hello, can easily assist you with adjusting to your faith no matter what it is or isn't. We greatly respect the beliefs and freedoms of all others we all are children of the universe. Only four things are required to be an oblate of perpetual life. First is to study and contemplate some sacred text of your faith at least once a day. It can be anything, any size, even a sentence or a word. It's imperative that an oblate pray sometime during the day. That's the second one is prayer. Again, it's up to us to choose when, where, and for how long. Number three is oblates will gather together online, typically on Zoom at least once a month. And that's usually the last Sunday of every month, if not the second to last Sunday. And it's not required. These are things as far as the meeting goes. If you can attend, that's great because you get to not only talk to, but you get to see your fellow Oblates. And the fourth requirement is love and respect all members, regardless of their faith. We are here as a group, not just individuals. Every faith, belief, 
view, etc., will be respected. Bullying, hate attacks, etc., will not be tolerated. So you are absolutely and completely safe. If this sounds like something you would be interested in, please check out the website. Again, a link will be in the show description or email me directly at oblates.pl at gmail.com. Prayer requests and updates are as follows. Um, Nicholas's mother posted a, an update on him this past week. Those of you know, um, Nicholas has had multiple heart transplants and he is in rejection. Plus he has an issue with one of the valves in his heart that is life-threatening, but he cannot survive a surgery. But there was this experimental surgery being done where it's very non-invasive or invasive um, that she was trying desperately and his doctors were trying desperately to get him to qualify for. They were able to find a hospital in Chicago, um, but Nicholas has failed their tests for viability for that surgery. They said that there was no way that he would survive it, even with it being any evasive as it is, that the valve um, that he has, it's bad in his latest transplanted heart, is just not, um, not good for that surgery. And it wouldn't, they would not be able to repair it enough. So she is going back to her, to his other doctors and see what other options they have. I mean, it really, really looks like uh, Nicholas is running out of options. So let us please, please, please keep them in our heart, thoughts and prayers. Now more than ever, they need our hearts, our prayers, our positive energy. Uh, prayers for Terry, Denise. Haley update. Haley is still fighting. She's doing everything she can to live every moment possible with her family and to make as many memories as possible. A few weeks ago, I had mentioned uh, in the prayer request and updates that uh, Haley's hospice nurse bought a teddy bear and recorded her uh, Haley's heartbeat on the teddy bear. So uh, when her four-year-old son misses her after she passes um he can squeeze the bear and he'll heal he'll he will hear haley's heartbeat also she got a little um framed photo of uh, the echocardiogram of um haley's heart with also sound uh, for haley's husband taylor and now a company i guess had saw that and sent them this new device and it's actually a necklace. And um, if you guys follow them on TikTok, um, they just recently posted this video of her recording her heartbeat on this little necklace, and they gave it to West. And so now, whenever you know he misses his mother, um, and he wants to feel her, um, because she's always and keeps telling him that you know no matter what, she will always be in his heart. He can squeeze that, and it will vibrate. He can actually feel Haley's heartbeat. And that's just, it's sad, but it's also very beautiful at the same time. So please keep Haley, Taylor, and their son, Weston, in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Uh, next is Maudie. No new updates on Maudie. Uh, Stephanie, Sarah and Kia, Elaine, 
Bob had an oncology appointment this past week, and he is officially in remission. He has to go back every three months to be rechecked. Uh, so please keep him in your heart, thoughts, and prayers that he stays in remission for the rest of his days and that the cancer does not return. Also, please keep in your heart and prayers, Clyde, Lisa, CJ, Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwen, Octavia, Trish, Chad, and their family, Brother Ashley and his family, Brother Abel, Mike S. and Kelly, uh, Michael, my brother, Tanya, my sister, Cheryl, Elijah, his grandmother, Janet, Andrew, his husband, Father Mike and Eddie, Eddie's mother, Becky, Emma, Jean, Kathy and Tony, Michael T., Kyra, Courtney. Um, I do have a Courtney Moore update. She was supposed to go on the 24th. Uh, so that was a few days ago to Duke University uh, to have a heart cath done to see uh, how medications that they gave her progressed to see if they if she's now strong enough to be put on a heart transplant list. So let us pray with all of our heart and mind that that comes to be. Uh, also, please keep in your heart and prayers. Jan, James, and Linda, Patty Baker is going in for shoulder surgery on the 16th of June. So let us please keep her in our heart, thoughts, and prayers that not only is it a success, but that she heals and recovers quite quickly. And if you are in need of prayers, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. My contact information is at the end of this show, end of every show, and it's coming up here in just a moment. I love to pray, and so do our listeners, our faith and more family. So let us pray for you. Okay, folks, here's that prayer, the miracle prayer that's Father Peter created. And he did. This is him at the tender age of 95. And I do apologize that there's music because sometimes the music gets so loud you can barely hear him. So please just bear with it. I've tried to find um, him reciting this prayer without the music, but I have not been successful. So please just bear with it and let us pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you just as I am. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. In your name, I forgive all others for what they have done against me. I renounce Satan, the evil spirits, and all their works. I give you my entire self, Lord Jesus. I invite you into my life, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord, my God, and my Savior. 
pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you're searching for and more here with us. Please stop by anytime, all the time. You're always welcome and you are always family. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. That helps us move up. So when people do a general search, we tend to pop up more than if we didn't. (laughs) And if you really love the show, please share it with as many, many people as possible. And if you really, really enjoyed the show, please consider making an offering. Offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show and the Faith and More ministry. Offerings can be made through the Cash App. The show's cash tag is dollar sign Faith and More. Or you can find us at cash.app, A-P-P, slash dollar sign Faith and More. Don't forget about our YouTube channel. There's lots of great videos there, and it gives you more of an immersive experience. Just go to youtube.com slash at Faith and More Podcast. Next is prayers. I love to pray, and our Faith and More family love to pray as well. So let us pray for you. There's two ways you can do this. The first is to email me directly at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. The second is through our website at faithandmorepodcast.wixsite.com. Dot com slash my dash site. There's a form at the bottom of the website to request prayers. And of course, links to all of this information can be found in the show description. 
Intro and outro music is courtesy of Less FM, L-E-S-F-M. And the Oblates infomercial music is courtesy of Ivy Music. Links can be found in the show description for both of them. Please check them out and show them some love. So until next time, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers. Bless you.